from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Five minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. 20 minutes or thereabouts. Our friend Zubin Mahente from ESPN, ESPN Radio, will join us. We'll go around the world of sports with Zubin. But right now, our friend Vinny Iyer joins the program. Three-time Jeopardy tra- uh, champion and Northwestern grad. And he covers the NFL uh, for SportingNews.com. Vinny, Trent, and Ken, compliments of the season. Want to start with one of your loves, and that's your alma mater, uh, Northwestern and Northwestern football. Apparently, Vinny, and I'm sure you've seen the reports, there are three teams that are going to reach out to uh, uh, Coach Fitzgerald to see to, to see if there's any interest uh, on his part leaving college football and getting into the NFL. Personally, I hope it doesn't happen. I think he's, it's the Big Ten, and Big Ten West is better when he's part of it. What are you hearing, Vinny? Uh, any chance you think that uh, your squad, your school, is going to be looking for a new football coach? Well, I think uh, you have to consider the situation. This happens with a lot of college coaches, and usually the rumor comes from their side of things where they're going to throw it out there. And I think uh, Pat Fitzgerald has more value right now to the program than ever before, not just because of the record and the success and getting back to the Big Ten title game, but also the fact that Jim Phillips, the athletic director, oh, sure. has left for the ACC job. He has Mike Anquitz, the defense coordinator, about to retire here after the season. So those are two big losses for this program. I mean, Hankwitz has been pretty key for what that defense does. Fitzgerald is a defensive-minded guy, an architect, so he'll be responsible for keeping the strength up on that side of the ball with the right hire. You had uh, Fitzgerald make a right hire with Mike Bajakin, that's the offensive coordinator. And now you have Phillips. So Fitzgerald is the face of everything you're doing here at Northwestern. And uh, I know the basketball team just had a big win there over mm-hmm. Michigan State over the weekend. But this is where the bread is buttered here for this athletic program. He is the face and right now the only leader that's in place here for this uh athletic program that puts Northwestern on the map consistently. So they have the money, they have the means, they're going to try to keep blocking them up. This is probably involved with uh, make sure he gets a raise here at, at some point. I know it's hard to imagine him leaving anywhere. I think the Bears might be a possibility if they come somewhat uh, fall out of the playoffs, which uh, they still are alive right now with the Cardinals. They're pretty neck and neck. But We'll see. Maybe this late surge with uh, Matt Nagy and that offense will keep Chicago from making a coaching change. And I think that's the case, and I would feel pretty confident Pat Fitzgerald's going to stay because I don't see him in Houston or Detroit or some place like that. Uh, I, I just don't see the upside of that, even for a Jim Harbaugh versus staying at a name-brand school that wants to keep you. Vinny, uh, the carousel will be wild and crazy as it seemingly always is. There's names we know are already going to be let go, and you mentioned a couple others that we'll see as these last couple of weeks progress. But as we look at the playoffs, Kansas City, another victory, didn't play their best, but 
they get the victories, and it seemingly happens week after week after week with them. Is there a sense that the Chiefs are just toying around with people, just a little bit bored out there because they are so talented? They don't know ultimately it's about the Super Bowl. Do you get that sense at all? This is a team waiting for the playoffs to actually start? Yeah, I mean, I think they are bored uh, a little bit because there's no competition. I mean, they're one competition, the Raiders, that beat them. They're not going to be in the playoffs, so they don't have to worry about them. And you look at the way Kansas City is built, I think this is what we all expected, that they actually didn't lose anything from last year's team, made sure Chris Jones was back, took care of Patrick Mahomes, made some other adjustments there to make sure that this team would be attacked for at least one more run. Now, there's going to be some changes that are going to come, but what I like about the Chiefs, they're constructed pretty well around the quarterback. You have Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, but not a lot of money invested too many other places offensively. You can move on from Sammy Watkins to Marcus Robinson, be okay there. Move on from Damian Williams, clearly, with uh, this new combination of the backfield. So they can kind of save that money and stay intact. So when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, and you saw that with the page Tom Brady, you can kind of skimp in other areas and know you'll be okay, especially offensively, that you know he's going to keep lifting this team with just two basic weapons here, and they got Bell for a bargain here after Clyde edwards Slayer was drafted in the first round. So now that's turning out to be fortuitous with Clyde edwards Slayer missing time here down the stretch, and who knows if he'll back, be back for the playoffs. So this team, there's just not many things they do wrong. They're weak against the run, and we've seen that, but teams have to be able to stay in games against Patrick Mahomes to stick with the run, and they also have to make the big plays to match Patrick Mahomes. And that's a tall order. You have to finish drives, uh, keep Mahomes off the field, but also get the explosive plays on the other side. The Raiders were able to do it successfully in one game, and it took an interception to seal the game in yeah. that one. So it takes a to be Patrick Mahomes. You have to basically check about 15 boxes to beat the Chiefs at this point because they're a complete team. And I think that's what you have to realize as well is that this is a very good team other than Mahomes all around. We saw that with their defense peaking at the end of last season as well. I, I just read your piece on Ben uh, Roethlisberger, uh, Roethlisberger during the break, Vinny. And uh, what I didn't realize, um, look, at it, it seems like the Steelers and Roethlisberger, uh, that relationship is about to come to an end. A $41 million cap hit next year at the age of 39 years old. They'd have to, I mean, if they cut him, they got to eat a lot of dead money, but they'd save some. It certainly seems in the way he's playing, too. I know he said after the game last night, everybody's banged up. They can't run the football. Until last night, some of the guys had had trouble catching the football. Roethlisberger, although he made some nice plays last night, doesn't have that consistency that he once did. The Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger are headed to divorce court. Yeah, I mean, this one's tough, and maybe they should have made that decision, but I think what happened this year is that, okay, they looked at it and they said, we were so bad at quarterback, but we almost made the playoffs with our defense last year, so let's get Ben here, let's keep things the status quo, go as far as we can go, and to their credit, it still may end up with uh, AFC North title in the end if they can win any, one of these last two games, but I, I look at uh, the Steelers and you have to think about the ceiling, and they've been waiting so long for Tom Brady and the Patriots to be removed as an obstacle that always got the better of them. Well, now that team's gone, but now the Ravens are stronger, and they're back in the mix. The Browns have become a better team. The Bills have emerged 
out of that uh, AFC East. So, in the same time, you got Patrick Mahomes, who's maybe the new villain there that you're trying to dethrone that is going to be challenging for Mike Tomlin year after year. When you look at the two times this Steelers made the, the Super Bowl run, there's no Patriots there waiting. There's things that happened that cleared the way, and uh, they took advantage of that. So uh, I think at this point, I know the Steelers are pretty steady, and but maybe they need to shake things up. I think you have to look at offense, maybe go in a different direction, maybe get a dual-threat quarterback, try to incorporate that. You see how much the athleticism of Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield have played in making those teams better. Joe Burrow, you know, is headed for a special career when he comes back from his knee injury. So you don't want to get caught having the worst quarterback in this division all of a sudden when you had the best for so long. And and that's uh, what the Steelers are facing. So they've been really good about stashing players and getting that player groomed. Well, this is the year that they didn't do that. So I think, like it or not, they're going to have to go the rookie route and start that rookie in 2021. It's a, a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be talked about and bandied about here leading us up to April in the next NFL draft. Vinny, offhand, do you know what the what the choice is going to be for the draft? Of course, it was supposed to be in Vegas. That was off the board. It was going to be a lot of pomp and circumstance. That isn't there. What are you hearing what the NFL draft is going to look like for 2021? Yeah, right now uh, there's some excitement over it that it's happening. I mean, the virtual draft went so well that yeah. – I don't know if you missed anything if you were at home or anyone else. So uh, there's just no, maybe it's a cost-saving measure to do it that way. And I I don't think you missed a thing. And I think the players in the first round enjoyed uh, being around their family, like Joe Burrow, and having that ability to celebrate with them. So you lose maybe some of the glitz the NFL is looking for. But from a fan's perspective and an NFL like diehard uh, draft person, you're not missing out on anything. It's the pre-draft process. You get into that, all that. So and we know there will be a player selection meeting of some sort. It's going to be really intriguing here, virtual or not, with uh, all the quarterbacks in play here. And in my latest mock draft there at Sporting News, you can check out. I mean, as many as six quarterbacks go in the first round, yeah. it would not shock me. Indeed. Will one of them go to Denver? That's a tough one. There are some wild-card teams throughout the process of the draft that you're not sure. Is Carolina going to move on from Teddy Bridgewater? That would be the first entry point. Matt Ryan or the Falcons going to think about yeah. going on and moving on from him. The Broncos, are they sold on Drew Locke? How high would the Washington football team, if they don't make the playoffs, uh, think that they can take a quarterback here? Really, uh, and then you go down to the end of the first round where you bring in the Saints and Patriots and Steelers and so many teams that potentially need to think about quarterback now and in the future. What do the Bears do? There's so many hmm. teams that you're not quite sure if they're going to make that big change of quarterback or you look at the values away from quarterback. I, I think whenever you draft a quarterback that isn't uh, the surefire number one, two guy, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in this class, you're going to be reaching to some degree and missing out on a surefire start at another position. So, do you feel comfortable enough? Think that guy's a franchise guy. In the end, that is the most important thing to have over a transcendent player to another position. So it's, it's going to be tough with all those quarterbacks. And uh, after Lawrence and Fields, the guys that uh, everyone is going to watch here is Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, Trey Lance, there, and uh, Mac Jones. I think those are going to be the four guys that really could reshuffle the order here before it's all said and done. And uh, 
Trey Lance seemed to be the hot guy, but right now I think it's Mac Jones. Yeah, Kyle Trask looked good against uh, against that Alabama defense this weekend as well. Vinny, last thing for me, uh, back to the Chiefs and, and to Trent's point. You know, just it seems like they're playing around. From where I sit, there are. I mean, I hope there's more. I don't want to see these guys become the the new Patriots. I think the Bills legitimately have a chance to knock them off. Likewise, Tennessee in the AFC. In the um, in the NFC, it looks like it's Green Bay or bust to me. I mean, anytime you got a chance, uh, you got Aaron Rodgers, you have a chance. Am I missing anybody? Bills, Titans, and Packers—the three teams that you know conceivably could knock off the Chiefs. Yeah, I think you look at uh, the Chiefs, you look at their closest games. The Saints were a close game, but that was a little bit uh, back-end filling. The Bucks actually, after they melted down the first half, made that a game against the Chiefs mm-hmm. the second time around. So maybe uh, Tom Brady is getting another shot here at Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's a team still that I feel can make a run. Because you look at the fewest issues among all the contenders, you you say quarterback, not an issue with the Bucks. Receiving core, not an issue. Running game is pretty good. Offensive line is decent. Run defense is very good. They can rush the passer if you need to. It's really, they've been getting in their own way. When they've put it all together, and we saw it in the Green Bay game, they're devastating. When they break down and fall apart, they're terrible, like in the Saints game. So the Bucks really are the definition of boomer bust playoff team. And who knows, the way the Saints are playing right now, Maybe it's an opening there for them to steal this division. I still don't see it happening. I don't think the Vikings are going to beat the Saints this week. But you never know. We've seen weirder things uh, happen. But I would still think the Bucks feel like a, the most dangerous team that's lurking in the NFC just because of we know their potential and we know they can reach it here in the playoffs because of the GOAT. Mention the Vikings there as they play the Saints on that uh, Christmas Day game. An organization that has been inconsistent under Zimmer, make the playoffs, and they miss the playoffs. And back and forth, back and forth, seemingly every year. With the miss this year, it'll be just three playoff appearances in seven years. And felt like that window that was open is closing. Kirk Cousins, they gave guaranteed money to. You can argue how good it has gone for him at the quarterback spot for the Vikings. Thoughts on Zimmer, Spielman, the general manager, and and this organization as a whole. They battled their way back to get in consideration and then lose a couple of head-scratchers at home, Cowboys, Bears, over the last few weeks. Just your thoughts on that organization and, and where they go next. Yeah, this is uh, really tough. Another team that you have to think about, uh, the quarterback. Are they going to dive mm-hmm. into the quarterback pool here? Uh, Kirk Cousins, I know, has played pretty well overall, despite some uh, Justin Jefferson frustration last week and some of the interceptions he's had early in the season. And the turnovers are really cost the Vikings. So they couldn't get out of their way early. And the slow start is not something that was easy to recover from. And they're realizing that now uh, they struggle to try to get into the playoffs. So it's, it's tough. Uh, with the Vikings, I think you knew it was a rebuilding year in some aspects. They just had too much against the salary cap. They had to make moves. That's why they had to trade stuff on digs, clear some room there. Get rid of all those veteran defensive backs, Avery Rhodes, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander. They couldn't afford those guys. So they had to restart, clean up the salary cap, go there. The Kirk Cousins contract kind of uh, hampered them a little bit. So uh, that uh, was eventual here. Now you have the Dalvin Cook deal as well. So I think Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, a pretty good combination still. I think this team, based on where it started and how poor it has been defensively at times, 
partly because of injuries in the front seven and the youth in the secondary. I think they've uh, kind of overachieved really at their record. You wouldn't think so at six and eight, but uh, I thought they could get a few more wins, still win the division, uh, play a little bit better offensively, but their slow start has caught up to them. And you saw their potential when they were able to beat the Packers early in the season in Lambeau Field. They are capable of winning games, but they just weren't consistent enough, and that's eventually going to cost them the Saints. You're probably going to eliminate them here on Saturday. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, sportingnews.com. Vinny, a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We will talk to you uh, hopefully wild card week if your schedule allows. Vinny, thanks for coming on. Appreciate what you do for us. Thank you. All right, have a good one, guys. Yep, take uh, take care. Good to talk to you. Uh, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Boz Prince just tweeted, our new KXNO shirts have been restocked. All sizes back in. Uh, if you shop online mm-hmm. at bozprints.com, here's a little heads up. 20% off your order when you enter, and I think you have to write this or type this, mm-hmm. 20 off at checkout. Nice. Not the number. You have to actually type 20 off at the checkout. But they're back in, uh, and great. they weren't. All sizes are available, and these things are flying out of there. Get it done before lunch. Well, I hope my wife will. <laughs> I just sent her the uh, text. Anyways, uh, we will come back with our friend Zubin Mahente from ESPN. We'll go around the world of sports with Zubin. I think Brent Bloom has uh, tallied them up. There are 19 NBA fans 19? in Iowa. Growing. It is growing. Hopefully some of them will be listening to us because we'll talk a little NBA yes, with, with Zubin on opening night as uh, we take you up until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Oh, man, that sounds good on FM. 1460 AM. And now on 106.3 FM, this is Des Moines Sports Station. KXNO. Welcome to Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Zubin Mahente momentarily. Uh, no one should go hungry, especially not during the holidays. This is why Food Bank of Iowa is working to provide 4 million meals for our Iowa neighbors in need. If you can help put food on the table for another family, please visit foodbankiowa.org foodbankiowa.org let's get our friend Zubin Mahente in here he joins the program opening night of the NBA ready or not here it comes Zubin Trenton Ken thanks for coming on how big of a talker was that this morning on your show yeah not too much I just still think a lot of people are not as into the league just because the turnaround has been so short I'll give you a great example we had Nick Nurse on just to keep it a little local for you guys, we had Nick Nurse on not too long ago, and we had just done the calculation. And if you look at it, with the day the Raptors won the championship um, over the Warriors 2019 till the day the NBA season opened was about 131 days. So the Raptors win their first championship, 131 days, and then we begin the next season. This go-around, if you take the number, when the Lakers won the championship in Florida, in the bubble, on a Sunday night, I think it was October 11th or so is when they won it, and you fast-forward it tonight, it's about 70 or it's about 71 days. If you really mm. think about the, the, the preseason, the offseason essentially is about half as big as it used to be. 
think the biggest story, obviously, is still, of course, what happens to James Harden. And believe it or not, I think the second biggest story is uh, the Brooklyn Nets, who have among the lowest uh, TV ratings in the entire NBA and have generated almost no buzz for years on end. Uh, I think what they're about to do with uh, Durant and Kyrie and their new head coach, Steve Nash, might be the second most interesting thing uh, in the league. And then uh, the Clippers as well, obviously, with both guys being able to opt out at the end of the year. Seems like the Lakers have put a lot of distance between them and everybody else, so they'll go off as the prohibited favorite, I would imagine, tonight. Not a lot of buzz for just a a weird, weird season. Mm -hmm. and how long this is going to kind of stretch out. It's it's something interesting. Let's go to college football. Zubin, love your We're perspective. We're done with our NBA segment? I, I'm, I'm over it. Okay. I'm over it. We'll talk <laughs> we'll again in it. June. All right. <laughs> Zubin, you hey, are... we tried, right? Yes. You're a huge college football fan. For a number of years at ESPN, you had the college football podcast, did a great job with that. We know how closely you watch this sport. There's more and more conversations about... Maybe the sport being in trouble. Not that it's going to go away or anything like that, but the playoff structure, the teams that actually can win it, and the the gap between the haves and haves, not not just at the power conference level, but Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and everybody else. And that gap continues to grow and grow. What do you think of the future of this sport, and what can be done to fix it, to get it, get it back maybe trending in the right direction? Here's an anecdotal example I gave on the air yesterday, and this is something that just exemplifies what you're talking about. This isn't really a solution, though. I'll get into something David Pollack said in just a second. He joined us yesterday from College Game Day. This is exactly where Cincinnati is. I'm just going to use Cincinnati as an example because it just seems like their commissioner has been the most outspoken, and they may have had the quote-unquote best argument of anybody in the group of five. When they won their conference championship game on Saturday, that was one of the most thrilling conference championship games in the last several years and certainly one of the most thrilling of this past weekend. But nobody cared because everybody was watching Florida and Alabama, Mm -hmm. and that's just life. They won on a 34-yard field goal with no time left Mm -hmm. to complete a perfect regular season if you're counting the conference championship game as quote-unquote part of the regular season. But nobody cared. Because it was like, whoa, Florida is maxing Alabama right. five to drive yeah. four for score. Am I going to watch Cincinnati take a 34-yard field goal against Tulsa? Or am I going to watch Florida look like, man, they actually are making Alabama sweat into the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. And that's just the best example of even if you watch Cincinnati once this year, their most thrilling moment of mm-hmm. the year, nobody even saw it. So that's really one of the biggest problems that a team like that has. Um, I would say David Pollard came on and Kirk broached it last week. He, Kirk came on a couple of weeks ago and actually got a lot of run on our program. I was surprised he said it. Um, sometimes when guys are so blunt, you're just always taken aback, especially when they're a colleague. And obviously we're so tied in with the college football playoffs. But he was very honest. And he came on our show about a week and a half ago and he, and he said, look, guys, the system is totally broken, mm-hmm. which obviously everybody knows. Um, but for him to say it, with the perch that he has is something else. And then he basically said it's time for the Tower Five to separate from the group of five. I mean, there was a time where, as you know, I think it was 1978, the Division One A and Division One AA, or the FCS now, they separated from each other. And that was something that was a long time coming. And, he, and Kirk essentially said, look, you know, it's time. It's time for the Power Five to move on, and it's time for them to break away. And then David came on the show yesterday and said, now this isn't exactly an original thought, but it was, again, forwarded by somebody that's got a lot of cachet. He said, 
if the group of five had their own playoffs, I'd be so into this thing. It'd be incredible. And, you know, if they're not going to be able to participate and they're not going to be able to get their day, then give them their own championship. It wouldn't be watered down in the minds of those players. Sure, for the fans, you know, you just want to kind of have that big one for the Power Five. But to give Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina, um, some of these schools, uh, you know, Army, uh, Brigham Young, some of these opportunities that you're just simply not going to get, we know you're not going to be there, why not break away? Why not have it? You can still play these teams in the regular season to bolster your case for a group of five playoffs. You can make San Jose State in there, which is one of the best stories of the season. Yep. Nobody talking about it. And again, that's the biggest problem. I mean, you have a team relocating, finishing perfect, knocking off Boise State. They played a home game at Hawaii because they couldn't host Hawaii, so they'd go to Hawaii to play. This. <laughs> Nobody cares about this stuff. And people should care about this stuff. Because these are great, great stories, great, great teams. And if they're not going to get even a, like a, a drop of attention, then they've got to do something to validate their season and give themselves a championship. And, and Pollock said, and I agree, there would be significant interest, clearly not as much interest as the actual college football playoff. But if they broke apart and did something like that, Lots of people would watch it. So, what's the likelihood, Zuba? What What's that going to take? Because uh, both of the both uh, Herb Street and Pollock are preaching to this choir. Because uh, we both think that it, it should happen, whether it does or not. Look, I, when the when the bowl schedule came out, I saw Ball State versus San Jose State. Uh, and that, I'm going to watch that football game because I love the stories of both schools. I didn't realize Ball State was as good as they are. Trent was all over them last Friday night, but. So what what will it take for that to happen, Zubin? And what's the likelihood that it does? Did either of them offer an opinion on that? Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I think, to me, they didn't offer an opinion on it happening. They just thought it should happen. And, and I agree with them. But as you know, with these things, everything's easier said than done. Like So, for example, you guys know this, but does the casual fan know that bowl season started yesterday? They don't. <laughs> right. Because all they wanted, there was, I think the Myrtle Beach Bowl was yesterday. It was. So, yeah. um, Happy State. Yeah. You know, right? Yeah, I mean, we're promoting it, we're showing it, we're talking about it. Um, but the average fan doesn't care about that, and it just cares about what's going on New Year's Day and what's going on for the championship. And I think the best thing to do in this particular sense is, I mean, I don't think the playoff is going to be expanded at all until the initial deal with ESPN ends. I think the, I think they've been pretty clear about that. I think fans are just saying it just makes common sense. Um, I mean, I would say, look, if Alabama played Cincinnati and it's a one-eight game, you know, what would the number really be? Um, yeah, Cincinnati would deserve the, the right to do it. But if you're complaining about, you know, Alabama and Notre Dame, think about what would happen with Alabama <laughs> and Cincinnati. Not that the Bearcats wouldn't have an argument. So I actually don't think the group of five playoff situation is feasible. I think it's a great idea. But I think if you're the group of five, what you would rather have happen, and I can't speak for Mike Oresco or – Craig Thompson or any of these guys, uh, respectively the commissioners of the AAC and the uh, Mountain West. But what I would just say is if everybody does believe, even though I'm kind of in the minority on this one, if everybody believes it's going to eight teams at some point, they would still be better off like trying to get like the seventh or eighth spot than having some sort of group of five playoff. And if the playoff does expand, um, you know, look, you'd probably have to put the Pac-12 champion in there. I don't think the Pac-12, I don't think the winner or the loser of that game this year deserve to be in the playoffs if it were to be expanded. But if it were to get to eight, then I think you look at the group of five and they say, we're going to get one of those spots. There's going to be too much public pressure for them to at least not give the little guy the eighth spot. And I truly believe 
that they would rather all angle, as crazy as this sounds, they'd rather all angle for one spot despite the sustainability of these teams. You know, that's why Boise's great. We'll see if San Jose State can hang on. We'll see if some of these teams like Coastal Carolina can sustain success. But I think some of these teams would end up rather risking it, trying to get one spot, get the eighth spot, improve their recruiting, just get that moment, get those 60 minutes, see what happens, than trying to actually win a championship in a group of five playoff. That sounds ridiculous because you got a bunch of teams fighting for one spot and there's no guarantee they're going to get it anyway. But I think that would be their preference. One, one more college football. I think Heisman votes were, had to be in yesterday, Zubin. Who do you think is going to win it? I think Mac Jones is going to win it. Hmm. And I don't feel great about that. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of deserving candidates. I'm not saying it's turned out to be the best quarterback on the best team, but if you kind of look at Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow, it just sort of seems that way. I actually, this crazy as it sounds, I've been promoting this all season, some, some traction, some not. I actually think Alabama's underrated. As insane as that sounds. As insane as <laughs> Their that offense, sounds, maybe. Right? Um, and, you know, I saw Saban after the game, told Jamie Erdahl, you know, it was really good to get tested in the fourth quarter. We actually kind of needed that, which sort of seemed like an arrogant statement, but it wasn't at all. It was, a, it, was a, right. it was a completely logical statement. And the one thing that I really liked about watching the matchup, and obviously we had, you know, we had Kraft on the show a couple weeks ago, and this was before the LSU game. And I would have been fine giving it to Trask at that point as well. Um, obviously, now I don't think that's going to happen. But the really interesting thing about Mac Jones is he basically stood there and did what a lot of people don't. And by the way, Trask did the same thing. They stood there and said, we're going to wait our turn. We're not going to go. Mac was not going to play in front of Tua. But what's interesting is once Mac got in there after Tua got hurt, Tua's brother was like, you know, I think Mac's pretty good. Right. Like, I'm going to get out of yes. here. And the same thing for Kyle Trask. I mean, if uh, Felipe Franks doesn't hurt himself in the Kentucky game last year on a Saturday night on ESPN, I don't know we even hear about Kyle Trask. And, of course, you've heard all those things. Like, right, we don't know about Brady unless Molo is blasted. So, I mean, those things happen. Um, so, I would go Mac Jones. And I love the fact that both of those guys got a star turn on Saturday night. They didn't just pick up their ball and go and transfer and leave. They stuck it out, yeah, good and point. for Jones, it was just a matter of being better, and for Trask, it was a matter of getting a little lucky, but proving that he was up to the task in every single way. So I'm happy for both, but I'll go back to More football, and uh, a, a couple of nerdy NFL things from the weekend. A, I don't know how deep of a TV nerd you are, Zubin, but did you see the 8K am- uh, camera work that they had in the Seattle-Washington game? A couple of really good shots with that. And secondly, a new guy on the scene as a color broadcaster. I like... Oh, he's terrific. I know where you're going. Akeem Tlaib. Yes. I know where you're going. It, it is... It's different. It is so much different yeah. than even Tony Robo, who is different, and I'm a big fan of it, especially for a game... That was a little goofy, like what we got with that Eagles, Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, yeah, Arizona Philly was it was a fun game, and it was fun having him there. Your thoughts on those two things, and if you saw that 8K camera work? Yeah, I think the 8K. What's interesting is, and I think at the end of the day, we all know who ends up televising sporting events. It's the uh, network that provides the largest check. I don't think there's too much of a uh, controversy there. But what I do think is when you are sort of trying to angle when all of these deals come up and and we'll see what happens. I'm still not convinced that, you know, Amazon or Google or Facebook will be involved and we'll see. I could be totally wrong. Um, But I think what you're trying to see from a lot of these places is they're trying to put their best foot forward and say, when it's time to negotiate, look, I mean, look at all the things we're trying. We're, we're, 
looking ahead to the future. We're trying to bring in the younger fan. We're trying to uh, give fans of any age an angle that they may not have had before. And while that just makes for a more palatable experience as a viewer, I also think there's a very small indication that says, look, we're willing to invest. We're willing to put your league in the best possible light. You never know. Um, so I think that that is something to do with it. But at the end of the day, you, me, can all the viewers and listeners benefit because they're just going to keep upping the ante, and that's the best thing for people that watch football. The thing with Tlaib, so Tlaib, when I worked in Denver, he was there, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the no-fly zone, all that stuff. Um, and he was, he was like a must-visit guy in the locker room. So, like, when I first got there, like, there's a handful of guys that, like, when they speak, you just have to be at the locker and they always have these sort of like, I'm doing it on my own schedule. So you have to be there every day. And when I first got there, it was a guy named Rod Smith. Oh, I'm sure you guys mm-hmm. know. Tremendous player. He was very moody, but very moody in a good way. Like, you know, he would yell at us and be like, get out of my locker. And then like 20 minutes later, he'd be like, get over here. I got something to say. You know, and when those guys talk, you just got to be there because you never know what they might say. And Aqib Tlaib was just in that group. Now, Aqib actually had a great disposition and personality. I know there's been some issues on fields. I get all that. Um, but, you know, if you were to basically preclude guys for that reason, you know, I mean, everybody makes a mistake. It happens. Um, but he had just a kind of a spark to him. And even though he wasn't probably the best member of the no-fly zone, he was sort of like the mm. most jovial, the leader. And you could just see it coming. Now, I didn't know that he was interested in media of any sort. But if you had to list, like, the top five guys I want to hear from in the locker room the next day, Aqib <laughs> Tlaib was always on that list. And if you're on that list, it stands to reason, if I'm interested in hearing you, I would imagine most fans are as well. It's a very Fox type of hire, and I give him a lot of credit for it. He's kind of an out-of-the-box, different sort of guy. He also dresses incredibly well. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a very unique look as well. So you're right. I think Romo has honestly, to your point, Open the door. It was a long. You guys remember this, man. When Aikman started with Fox, he was like on the fourth team, yep. right? You got to wait. We got to work your way up. Even if you're Troy Aikman with three Super Bowl rings, but the success of Romo and I think the good job that Greasy and Riddick have done uh, has made a lot of networks essentially say, "Look, it's TV. It's not rocket science. If they're good, we can make them even better." And I think Romo has opened the door for a lot of dudes, and a guy like Talib is taking advantage. And let's be honest, yeah, it wasn't Saints and Chiefs, but that was a pretty good game for Fox in the late window, and especially to uh, put Hurts out there. I think a lot of people were watching that. Uh, I'm with you, Zubin. Uh, good good point, Trent Condon. Uh, Zubin, last thing for you. Uh, we got like a, a minute left. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson was the first overall pick uh, of his draft year by the New York Jets. Did he have any opinion yesterday morning on the predicament the Jets find themselves in after somehow – uh, winning a football game uh, and now losing an opportunity to draft, in all likelihood, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, did Keyshawn have any opinion on that? You know, he is, he's been off this week, so I actually it was like the worst timing to be off. I thought that you know we wait all season long and then this thing happened. Um, but we did have front office insider Mike Tannenbaum on, who was the general manager of the Jets and the Dolphins. He joins us every Monday morning. I would love to have gotten his perspective. Um, you can see all the talk in New York. I mean, that's why the NFL is great. Like a 1-13 in 13 team is getting a lot of run. That never happens in any other sport. Tannenbaum took the other tack. You can talk as much as you want about the Jets. He actually spent time talking about how devastating and crushing of a feeling. It could just be a one-off. How crushing of a feeling that had to be for the Los Angeles Rams, which is something that not a lot of people are talking right. about, particularly with Seattle winning 
on Sunday. So he took the other he took the other angle. I told Mike. I said, Mike, it's it's six forty a.m. Eastern. It's three forty Pacific. We don't <laughs> we don't want to talk about the Rams right now. We want to talk about the Jets. But it was actually a great great point. It could be just a one off. But what that might preclude Los Angeles from doing by having that one L is something a lot of people are talking about. I'm glad he brought it up. Yeah, indeed. Uh, uh, Seattle's now above them, right? That's a huge loss uh, on the part of the Rams. Zubin, listen, thanks for what you do for us. We will talk to you after Christmas. Uh, well, we'll talk to you uh, next Tuesday if your schedule allows. By the way, how bad did the snowstorm get? Uh, ESPN got about 12 uh, inches, I would say, right outside of ESPN, got about 14. And uh, I actually didn't even have to change my sneakers to walk to work. So the city, lower Manhattan, got spared, but ESPN got about a foot. Good stuff, Zuba Mahente. Thank you. Have a great Christmas, Zuba. We'll talk to you after. Thank you. Thank you. Good to talk to you, Zuma Mahente from ESPN. Good stuff. Come back, uh, wrap things up. You have a play tonight. We've got Purdue, Iowa on the hardwood. We've got West Virginia, Kansas at the same time. Wisconsin plays, Texas Tech. Pretty good college basketball night. Miller and Condon to finish things on a Tuesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Sports Fanatics. Weekdays at 4 on 1460 AM and 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. 1000.com. Vasectomies. Yes, we're talking vasectomies. It's Trent Condon from KXNO. If your family is complete, the time is now to get on the horn and make your appointment with the Urology Center of Iowa. The time for my vasectomy is coming up. I set up my appointment with a great group of doctors at the Urology Center of Iowa. It was easy to do, and you can do it as well. Now is the time to maximize your insurance benefits before the end of the year. Call 515-400-3550. Again, 400-3550 to set up your appointment today or go online, iowauro.com. That's iowauro.com. Vasectomies with the Urology Center of Iowa. No ice packs or bags of pee. Ice pool ever. It's time for the Urology Center of Iowa audio cut of the day. And no Tyler Boyd either. He rhymes in there. Motion him to the left. Finley going to take off. And... Piran finds a crease. Second and two. Finley will keep it right up the middle. Ryan Finley. Set up your vasectomy appointment with the Urology Center of Iowa at 515-400-3550 or iowauro.com. All right, final couple of minutes here. Tuesday, Miller and Condon. Is the Monday Night Crew growing on you? I like them. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. I enjoy listening to what they have to say. Yep, Greasy's good. Uh, Riddick's good. Steve And Levy's he'll be a, a GM after this year. Riddick will? Yeah, probably so, right? He's uh, certainly throwing his names name out there a lot. Or mm-hmm. His agent mm-hmm. is getting his name involved For the last lot. couple of years, mm-hmm. which would mean yet another... Turnover in the Monday night booth, if yep. that's the way we go. But you no, know, they've grown on me certainly since uh, uh, since week number one. Only one more to go. We get who? Ma- Miami and New England next week uh, to bring the curtain down on Monday night football. All right, so Iowa's got to be favored. What a handful? Six and a half. Six and a half seems uh, hefty with yeah. Purdue kind of having they've Iowa's got number. Their number. Trent four in a row and some dominating performances. Do you, would you have a betting opinion on this game, or you got another one? Uh grab the points with Purdue. Not a strong play. My favorite play of the day, college basketball-wise, was Drake 
They opened up as a 13-point favorite against North Dakota. They're a lot better than them. That thing's jumped up to 15.5 now. So mm. a 13 number is no longer available. Hope people jumped aboard with that one. I think my favorite play, I really like UCF against BYU tonight in the bowl game. Do you? I do. Getting a, touch, a little less than a touchdown, yep. six. Really like UCF in this spot. That's probably my favorite handicapped to the game, but there's college hoops going on all day. I got Tulane this afternoon. Got all kinds of things happening. Yeah, I like Tulane this afternoon. You know what I like tonight, but the numbers, the total is huge. There's going to be some points scored in BYU Central Florida. Yeah. What is that number? 76. Whew. And I I couldn't, yeah. That's too It's hard to justify that one. Indeed it is. All right, uh, Murph and Andy are coming up uh, this afternoon. They'll be in at uh, 2 o'clock, and then the Fanatics at 4. I'm assuming Cyclone Radio tonight, the Registers program, will be on the air with Petey and Travis Hines. Iowa State Women's Hoops tonight. Well, then they won't be on the air. We'll be listening to Iowa State Women's Basketball. Listen uh, tomorrow morning, the Morning Rush. They're on at 6. We're Miller and Condon weekdays, 10 to noon. On Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.